Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Matt Temple. And I'm Rob Fanuff. And Matt made the mistake. He said, Rob, I have an idea for a show. And for those who don't know how this works, if you have an idea for a show, uh, you get asked to help develop that show, bring up the notes and put the show together. So really excited to have you back on, Matt. It's been a while. It, it has. It's uh, well, I talked a little with you at uh, Masters, so uh, you know, not too crazy long, but good stuff there. Good stuff. So, well, before we get to the main topic, I figured you know, we both just attended the Michigan GT and I uh, had a great time. It was a wonderful event. How did the Michigan GT go for you? So, on the table, not so great, but uh, you know, that happens. Uh, it was a fantastic tournament. Uh, you know, Mike Carter and Blake, I mean, they run always a fantastic tournament. Best part of Kings of War is the people and hanging out and talking and doing stuff. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that aspect of it. And I had five really good games. Uh, only one of them went the way I wanted it, but uh, you know, that kind of stuff happens. So uh, I was a little surprised the sheer amount of Night Stalkers, Ogres and goblins. That was not what I was expecting. And then <laughs> I feel like I played all the Night Stalkers and goblins. <laughs> Any standout games? I know you got did you, you got to play Kyle Prozelinski with the new Twilight King list, right? Yeah. So th- that's definitely the the standout game for me. Got to see that new list. Not because of Kyle, but because of the Twilight King. A little bit of both. <laughs> it was good to see Kyle back on the table. It was great. I think we were talking about. It's like, wait a minute. Last time we played, I only had one kid. Okay, so it's been a few years. I've never, I don't think I've ever played Kyle. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, never. Always a great game. I mean, Kyle's, I don't think I have to tell everyone, Kyle's a great dude. So, uh, yeah, had a lot of fun with that and uh, really enjoyed seeing the new Twilight Kin list. Some of my fears have been abated, if that makes sense. Like, I was super worried about... You know, well, what is this? What is this? What is this? And after playing them, it's like, okay, I, this is a good list. I think a lot of people can do some really good things with it, but I don't think it's going to just sweep through, win five games in a row, you know, that kind of thing. There are some definite weaknesses I, I discovered. What's interesting about Kyle's list is he obviously was trapped into, he had to play with the models that were available to him. So he got some of the models early. Uh, so he had Impalers and he had some of the Corsairs, but I think some of the hero characters he may not have had, you know, he may not have had full access to the full range mm-hmm. and time was an issue with him, right? He got him very late. He had to paint mm-hmm. him like, quickly. In one of our last episodes, like we were looking at the Ensnare Horde, the, uh, the the Void Touched, I think they're called. Maybe nervous, right? Like, oh my gosh, these guys are awesome. Super expensive, but man, very powerful. What's interesting is some of my thoughts on the different units they are a good unit, but what I found on the table, and, I, and I've been playing Andy Patton locally, who's getting into the two, uh, the Twilight Kin, they're not overpowered. They have some offense and some defense. It's really, I think I said this in one of our Facebook posts, you know, they're very much like the halflings in the sense that if you don't play into the synergy, you will not win. One of the things I found uh, with Kyle is, in, in our game, is you have to, as a Twilight Kin, you have to be sort of close you can't spread out across the board because then you're not getting those synergies and like the rally on the corsairs 
Exactly. So he got kind of stuck. Again, I'm playing goblins at the moment. Goblin plays the whole board, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, all right, well, I've got the entire board. And he's like, well, here's my box. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going around it. Most of what I did was just ignore his stuff and move all my guys across and invade. But he had to stay in that box. Like that was not something he could, well, I'll spread out and match because then you're not getting those synergies. And oh, well, hey, that unit's not stealthy or spell word. Okay. So, uh, again, it's going to be interesting in the next couple of months to see where that list goes and how people, uh, you know, figure out how to use it and, and all of that. So, I, I, again, I'm curious, uh, very curious how that will play into the overall, I guess, meta of Kings of War. Yeah, and I expressed some concerns about comparisons to other units and other games. My concerns have been abated. Yeah, yeah. Doing a direct comparison to the Kingdom's Men Pike unit. Mm-hmm. Wait till the Clash of King book comes out. <laughs> There's a lot of great stuff in that book. We're really excited about talking about some of these changes in context of the bigger picture, right? So at Michigan to see you were like, hey, Rob, I have an idea for a show. Why don't you tell us what's our topic for tonight and kind of where did it come from and how it is, has it evolved? Our topic for uh, this episode is unintentional gatekeeping. Now, again, I want to make sure everybody understands something. The word is unintentional. This is not anything anybody does to keep players out of the hobby or anything like that. This is stuff some of us do. I do it. I, again, that whole thing, you point the finger at somebody else, you got at least three coming back at you. Yeah, I've, I've done Maybe not all of these, but quite a few of these uh, I'm guilty of. So just things that we do that may put new players off of Kings of War. And uh, again, some of these I think, uh, you know, if we think about and really, you know, work on, uh, yeah, we can we can fix them. Some of these I think are just things that, oops, so well, there's not too much we can do at this point. Uh, but again, very important, unintentional gatekeeping. For those of you who don't know, gatekeeping is ways to keep others out of a hobby or, or, or a group or whatever. And um, certain games, certain uh, miniature games sort of have a reputation for having a lot of gatekeeping. I don't think we do, but it, it was something I think about. <laughs> Another way to look at it, too, what we're talking about tonight is also barriers to entry that are being put up, you know, unintentionally that could inhibit someone maximizing their enjoyment of the game or even being a big enough to distract uh, a big enough barrier that they they opt to, to play something else mm-hmm. the one thing we need in kings of war is obviously obviously is more players right we can, mm-hmm. you know every game can use more players including kings of war yeah definitely strangely enough i was at masters which is kind of the worst place to think about new players because I mean, that's obviously not a place for new players. Uh, Best of the rest, sure, but Masters, not so much. But I was looking at all the armies and talking to people, and it just sort of started stewing in my mind. It's like, okay, if I was brand new and I'm like, I'd like to do this hobby, and I walked in this room right here, what would I be thinking? Uh, Probably the first thing I'd be thinking is, wow, everybody's so friendly. I can't believe they're all hugging each other because – we do that a lot. But then what are some other things? And uh, I kind of compiled a list here of, okay, what were some things I saw there? What were some other things? What were some things I've done before? And um, went from there. So kind of kind of got us our list here. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you want to take us into the first um, unintentional gatekeeping or the first thing on the list? Of course. So the first thing I've got, this is, um, again, not, maybe a little counterintuitive, actually. 
the hobby standard in Kings of War is incredibly high. A again, I'm going to just say it. The average Kings of War army could be a top tier 40K or Age of Sigmar. And that's not bashing the other groups. That's just our hobby is stupid good. It's fantastic. Uh, Rob, you saw a lot of the, the armies in Michigan GT. Yes, saw some great armies. Big shout out to Greg and his mm -hmm. Punk and Night Stalkers. Mm -hmm. Big shout out to Troy and his Nightmare Before Christmas Night Stalker army. Super, super cool armies. You know, when you shared that idea, I was like, well, is it is it really a barrier? On one hand, high hobby standards can be like a visual motivation to some mm -hmm. people. There is that potential, but really it depends on where people are coming at it in their hobby journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me personally, I find it motivating, but I can see for some, especially people that don't have any or very little experience, right? And they're very new into that hobby journey. You look at the top of the mountain and you see the Chris Walsh's and the Ryan Smith's and you're like, I can never get there. Yeah. Another thing to consider too is, you know, the type of armies that people might be playing. Like, for example, they see this great hobby standard and they look down at a pile of goblins in front of them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I got to paint 300 goblins. <laughs> Only crazy people do that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the question, though, to turn around is what can we do, you know, to make it more invite, you know, uh, to make it less of a demotivator? I think the big thing we've got to do is whenever somebody starts doing anything like, you know, OK, here, hey, I built this this model or I got this stuff. Um, you know, we're living in the age of speed paint. Like this is, I, I consider it revolutionary to me. This is like the perfect time to start a Kings of War army because man, I spray that with some white spray paint, bam, bam, bam. I hit some, some, uh, you know, I hit the face, I hit the sword, I hit the clothes, boom, I'm done. I've got some basic shading, some basic highlights. And I, I definitely think is, um, you know, as a community, we need to encourage that once, you know, we see and we go, hey, that is awesome. I am so glad you got that unit on the table. Awesome. And, and really just push the idea. It doesn't matter. Like, it's great to have amazing painted army. Again, all of you doing, you know, the the, the counter charge. Uh, uh, the slow grow. Slow grow, which I got to get my stuff in this month. Anyway, uh, but you know, yeah, keep going, keep going, make awesome stuff. But also, you know, those people that are like, hey, I hit it with some speed paint. Great. We are so excited to see you. That's all that we care. Uh, you know, if you want to slap some speed paint over a model and put it on a green base. Awesome. Glad you're here. That's really what we, we should focus on and go with, as well as enjoying, of course, the, the wonderfully painted armies. It's important for us, even even with the people that have really great hobby standard or really great looking armies, and I think by and large, Kings War players do this, make sure people come away with this was a journey for them to get to this point. And it's not like you snap your fingers and I just, I just, I have magic talent and it just, it happens. I mean, you know, help people understand that they can get there too. Mm -hmm. The reality is, you know, things like slow grow leagues are our hobby challenge, right? On the counter charge uh, Facebook page. I mean, these are things where you can incentivize people and encourage people to take the next step. And I love the fact that you brought up, you know, there are great hobby tools that we didn't have 20 years ago, like the speed paints and stuff. There's going to be really great armies there. But what's interesting is if, if that new player takes the initiative to ask, we are a very welcoming community in the sense that we would look me personally. You want to ask me about my army? Absolutely. Let's have a 40-minute discussion on my army. I'm happy to share with you everything. Ask me. Ryan Smith, he is the most a genuine person on the planet. And if you ask him, hey, 
can you look at my army and give me some tips on what I could do to improve? Again, we're giving people tips to get them to the next step, not to the end destination. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I, I think that's an important thing that we're bringing up here is that we have to acknowledge that for some people, when they see the mountaintop, it might not have the effect we think it's going to have. It might be discouraging. It's just important that we remind him of that, number one, everybody has the ability to pull off a decent-looking army with all the tools and techniques out there. You just have to put a little effort in. And also, it's not a, it's not a race. And we'll all get there. And the other thing that's important, to, I think, to bring up, too, is that we're our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. The only thing that matters is that you like your army and you enjoyed the process. Because that's the other thing. If, if, it's, if it becomes a chore, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then, then you're going to hate painting. That's a, a great one to kick us off. Um, so my next uh, my next point that I thought of, and I have to say I, I am I'm guilty of this one. Me too. Um, <laughs> tournament prep games. Now, a lot of us were like, "Oh, I got I got a GT next month. I need to get a couple reps in, or I need to t- tweak my list." There's this special character. Let's practice it. Uh, look, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. I, I play uh, Marshall and Jeff Franz all the time. Tournament prep. No worries there. If there's a newbie who comes in and they're like, hey, guys, can I play with you? And they look across the board and they see that list that I brought to Michigan GT with the stupid amount of goblin shooting. They're probably not going to enjoy their game. That is, uh, you know, it's not fun recreating Pickett's Charge if you're Pickett. We got to be very careful of that kind of stuff like, hey, yes, you want to prepare for tournaments and have fun. That's a great thing, but you also need to know your audience. Okay, wait a minute. They're there. I need to make some adjustments. This is not just a tournament game. We got to keep in mind that it's a casual game, and we don't all come to the table with the same set of expectations. But when you got a new player, you really need to try to find out what their expectations are for the game. We have a new player named Seth. He just moved to the area. The one thing I don't want to do is to motivate this guy. This guy came in, he got a demo, he bought a Northern Alliance Mega Army and some models, had the shop print him up some, because he's going to play Varanger, and within a month, 2,300 points were painted. Impressive. I was shocked. So he came in with his brand new army, and we played a game. You know, we, we had, we've we had conversations up to this point where I kind of knew where he was. He doesn't really, he's, I, I don't think he is a competitive guy. He just wants, he's a casual player. He just wants to have fun. It's very important for me to give him that game. Give them what they are expecting, especially early. I've also had new players come to me and say, Rob, I want to be a tournament gamer. Andy Patton's a good example. He is a highly ranked 40K player. He said, Rob, don't pull your punches. In that one, I was able to, okay, I'm not going to pull my punches. Here comes the ogres. Here comes whatever. We're, we're going to have a, a real good, you know, tough game. But against Seth, no, we're just going to play a, an army and we're just going to have fun. No one learns from just getting raffle stomped. What, what, what usually happens is like, oh, this game sucks. And yep. then they and they go play something else. They're the old saying, sometimes you need to let the Wookiee win. Yes, exactly. So uh, one of the things I, I just keep thinking of is uh, Speed 10 armies especially. All right, so I bring my list. It's got a mix of, you know, infantry and cav, and I've got some shooting. I've got – so it's, it's a nice, well-balanced list. But I'm a new player, and you bring whatever it is, a low-high spam or uh, – um, uh, what is it? The elves, dragon, you know, spam, and it doesn't matter. Like nothing I do actually matters because I move my guys up, and then you charge, kill, and turn sideways. And it's like, uh, well, 
really top level players, sure, sure. Okay, well, I know I can do this and, you know, uh, put this unit out in front and screen with this. But again, a newbie is like, well, this game stinks. Why why are we playing this if all you have to do is just charge into me, kill me and turn sideways? I mean, so again, really something to think about when setting up games with newer players. And making sure that if you're teaching somebody the game, you teach them all aspects of the game. Right. It doesn't help the new player if you just walk all over them. Mm -hmm. They're not going to learn much. But if you take the time to have one of those games where you can walk them through their their decisions that they have available to them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so for, I guess, the next point here, this is one, again, I was thinking about. Um, Another thing that could possibly turn off players is what I call armies with no background, story, or flavor. Um, I'm going to quote James Wapple here. He has had a wonderful quote in an old podcast. He uh, talking about painting and modeling, and he says, to the best of my knowledge, there have been no battles fought on a golf course. That's kind of odd. Where did that come from? And basically what he was talking about is flat grass, just straight across. You flock your base. That's it. You know, um, to me, though, it kind of goes into the armies. Like, what is the background? When I look at your army, when I see things, it's a bunch of dwarves or it's some demons or it's some goblins. What is it? Or, you know, um, and this seems weird considering our first point being the high hobby standard, but what's the background? What's the story? What's the flavor? If I'm a new player, I really, Hey, look, goblins. Okay, cool. Whatever. Oh, Hey, that's this. And Oh, well, here's the story behind it. And here's what the look I'm going for. Um, no, again, it doesn't have to be amazingly done. It can just be whatever, but, some sort of story or flavor, not just a, well, I got this list and I printed off a bunch of STLs and I threw it on some, uh, on a green base and here's some models. Like that doesn't grab people's attention and it's not exciting for a new player. Cause this is one of the stigmas that we have in Kings of War is that when we first started Kings of War, it was like, Oh, the armies don't have a lot of flavor. They don't have a lot of background, and, and that's just simply not true, right? At this mm-hmm. point, we're 13 years into Mantic Games, and Second Edition came out in 2015. <laughs> Plenty of background fluff there. And <laughs> what's interesting is I think it ties to our first one in the sense of an incredibly high standard. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have a high hobby standard, but we just need to make sure that people understand how to get there. It's the same thing here. I think that if you're going to showcase your army, share with the people looking at your army why you picked this army? What's the story? You know, your army is is a good example of this, right? So you have this goblin army in like a sewer system. That's a theme unto itself. But all the, the, the accoutrements that you have wrapped around, you know, the wanted posters for Kyle and Ronnie. And like, if you picked it up, it would just drip flavor, right? It just drips theme. And one of the things that's important to realize is that some people, that's going to be their hook into Kings of War. There's some people that are they're, they're certainly going to enjoy the tabletop play or the going to the table and meeting people. And some people, it might be painting armies, you know, hobby. But some people, it might be writing stories and, you know, setting up that, that epic background for their army. Showcasing yours could be another example of, some, you know, giving somebody another example. Hey, I can do this too. And this beautiful thing about Kings of War is that there's 20, whatever it is, 28 armies now. The world is your oyster. I mean, you can do anything you want. And people do. I mean, we had a Night Stalker army that was Jack Skellington themed, right? Night Before Christmas. It was bonkers crazy. It's fun. With all the things we're talking about tonight, it's about showcasing the best parts of our hobby. 
without making it feel like a barrier. Exactly. Um, honestly, this kind of uh, goes into my next point that I had. Um, <laughs> so a, a good transition here. One of the other things I think unintentional gatekeeping players who don't know any of the lore or stories of Kings of War is Rob said earlier, man, there is a ton of cool fluff. There's a bunch of novels. If you haven't read the Goblin, uh, Ascent to the Goblin King novel yet, you should. It's good. Uh, amazing. Uh, even if you're like, oh, I don't like fantasy. I would still read it because it's, I again, it's 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 top notch there. Uh, the, the fact that they were somehow able to do the kind of silly, crazy, you know, goblin stuff – would actually write it in a semi-realistic way and like holy cow this is horrifying actually like you know one of the goblins decides that his drink is poison so has the guy killed and then a few minutes later starts drinking out of the cup and they're like i thought you said that was poison oh yeah like whoa that's like terrifying again it's a great point in the book um but there's a ton of good fluff there's a great uh story to mantic and panathor and if i can be honest Warhammer 40k again I'm not bashing games workshop It's Grimdark baby it's 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 yeah. why a lot of people play that game I know a lot of people who don't play 40k like at all but they know the story they know the system or not the system they love the, rule. The, they love the black library books yeah they read the books and I would say the same with fantasy I mean let's be honest it was fantasy it it's not you know the models are It's dwarves. a derivative so, Tolkien world we all loved it Exactly what a story. That's something I think we got to do as players is, hey, there is a story. There is fluff. There are – this is a special character. They do have a story behind them. Um, it's – you know, when somebody comes up and says, oh, cool. Who's that guy? Oh, that's uh, that's Morgoth. Well, who's Morgoth? Uh, just some really powerful dude. As a new player, I'm going to go, eh. You're absolutely right that we, we all can do more to really you know lean into that. I get that you know some people really do just want to play the game. But if you have an inkling, right, this is one more case of where you can show somebody something. You know, we have a whole book on background now. We have all we have the novels. You know, they're constant like the Twilight Kin on the build up to the list. You know, Rob Berman wrote some great stuff. You know, C.L. Werner with some of the background that's that's in the Clash of Kings book. It's there for the taking, and I think it just needs to be showcased. I, I fully agree on that. And again, Come for the game, stay for the story, I, I guess is maybe the way to put that. Like, that's the part that people are going to come back to and, and look at. We always forget there's more casual players than tournament players. Mm -hmm. I would say that the casual players, it's less about the game on the table. And it's more about the narrative that they tell and the background and, their and the development of their armies. So, you know, Kings of War is a great game. It's very clean. That's why it's used in tournaments. Right? Mm -hmm. It's clean. But... Clean games also make very good narrative uh, casual <laughs> games because there's not as much baggage. This whole point of the show is that these are things that we – if we like in this case, if you don't do it, you're losing an opportunity to sell somebody mm -hmm. on how great the game is. And if, and if they're really into the background, the lore, well, make sure you share that with people. Uh, okay, so the next two items are – Kind of, kind of interesting to me. So imagine new player, uh, they've come in, they've seen your game, and you're like, yeah, hey, we're you know, find us on Facebook, find us on whichever group, and uh, they they log on to uh, I'll I'll use uh, the Counter Charge uh, Facebook group, just just 
no particular reason there, but and uh, they log on and they see a whole bunch of posts bashing Mantic. I can't believe uh, these rule. I can't believe I can only do this, or uh, they obviously didn't think of this, or you know they, they nerfed my unit. I have twenty of them, and now I can't use them in an army. I always find that argument funny, by the way. Uh, anyways, but uh, yeah, if I'm a new player and I see that, I'm not really going to go, oh, I can't wait to join this group. The important distinction here is it's okay to have criticism yes. of you know, Mantic or the games, but it needs to be done in a constructive way. It's also important that we don't feed into others' negativity. If I'm looking at other game systems, and because I play other games, and I go on to whatever Facebook place or wherever they're located, and all it is is just a rant about everything. Nah, that's toxic. I don't, I don't, I don't need that in my life. I'm going to go play something else. Even if that means playing a game that I might not like as much as the game I was just looking at, but that trumps everything. Like I, I want a, I want a positive community that, like I said, it's okay if they have constructive criticism. I'm not bashful about, you know, Mantic needs to get their QC stuff fixed, right? You know, we get parts and they're the wrong parts, and yes, they fix it. But it just needs to be resolved so it's not an issue, period. But you could do it in a helpful way. A rule I live, use in life, I'm not going to tell people the problem if I don't have an answer. That, that's a good one. I feel like we need Jeremy on here real quick to uh, you know, give us a, a positivity pep talk here. Growth mindset. Yeah. Falling forward. And so this also kind of feeds into the next thing I had on the list here. Always defending Mantic. So I, I think there is the exact opposite. So when, you know, we got certain... Oh, well, uh, negative, negative, negative. But then there's others, you know, you post on one of the groups and you're like, um, again, the one I'm thinking of is undead. Man, the undead really need some help. That that list is really struggling. And it's funny because uh, there are people, and again, no names, I'm not pointing anything out, who will jump on it. No, that's a great army. They've got all these tools. It's wonderful. You just don't know how to play. Okay. I had a legitimate talk with a couple of rules committee members and all of them said the exact same thing. Yeah, they we they kind of got nerfed a lot. They need some help to to get back to it. Like Mantic understand. They're like, yeah, hey, we want to hear constructive criticism. I mean, don't insult anybody, but yeah, we want to hear your criticisms and your thoughts. Um, talk to Kyle about a couple of issues and things. And Kyle's like, yeah, okay, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for letting us know. Manic's not perfect. Nobody is. No company is. Exactly. So again, I I I want to defend Mantic as much as the next guy, but you know, sometimes there are legitimate criticisms, like the quality control thing. Yeah, I've had a couple of things it's like, hey, I'm missing an arm. And then you get another thing a couple months later, yeah, the sword's missing. Like, hey, come on, guys, let's work on that. And that's not me hating or doing anything. That's just me saying, hey, that needs to be fixed. So Keep that in mind, too. I think, you know, don't always defend. Don't always criticize. I mean, the reality is that every company, including Mantic, deserves some praise and some critique, right? And, and I think that's okay. The last two things we talked about, they're kind of the polar opposite, but they're really the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's just about open your eyes and be legitimately, you know, be honest. Mantic isn't perfect. You know, they're open to constructive criticism. They want to continuously improve. They're a small company. You know, they still have less than 30 people. The other criticism they get a lot is, uh, you know, errors in their book, right? Or spell check, you know, and, and hopefully these are things that they can improve on. But like I said, when we bring up those criticisms, we do it in a, in a positive way that they can, you know, they can constructively use what we've told them. And the flip side is when others bring up legitimate concerns or, or issues, hear them out. Now, I will say there are, there, there are those certain voices. You can tune those guys out. 
And you know what I found? There's certain individuals I just block and move on. I don't, I don't, I don't waste my time. Exactly. If I'm a new player coming to the game and I go to a, a public forum, a public Facebook page for our game, I would hope we have civil discourse. That's what I would hope that there is. There's some positive stuff. There's some cr- criticism that we have some constructive feedback on and that we resolve our commentary or differences in an adult way. No trolling in, in any of that stuff. But at the same time, no white knighting. We're like, oh, Mantic's perfect. They don't ever, you know, there's stuff they do wrong. And Ronnie will be the first to admit that. Yep, exactly. So, all right. Um, okay, next, I'm going to say next two, because again, quite a few of these I feel like are, are sort of uh, polar opposites of each other. Um, so the next item I've got, new player comes in, and you're like, yeah, I can't wait. I, we really want you to enjoy this game. I want you to do it. And you end up helping a little too much in the game. Like, oh, well, don't do that because this will happen. Or don't do that because this will happen. This, I mean, let's be honest. Everybody, Kings of War, for the most part, is pretty easy to understand. And most new players don't need a lot of help with stuff. Like, hey, I want to move this up. Okay, well, go ahead. Like, Yes, that's how you move. Uh, we'll get to my next point here in a second. But, you know, so be careful helping too much or uh, maybe maybe even, well, you don't want to do that. Here, let me show you what to do. You know, don't do that. Don't show them what to do. Tell them what they can do. Give them their options. Uh, it's going to sound weird, but, like, I'll learn more from making a bad mistake than you showing me how to do it the right way. You don't learn anything from winning a game. All it does is confirm your biases. That's that's Eric Trowbridge line. And I think that's 100% true. If you laid out their options and they say, well, what would you do in this situation? Well, then that opens the door. I will tell you, hey, well, in this situation, if I took this option to charge here, that might explode a flank. Don't solve the Rubik's Cube for them mm-hmm. unless they ask. Exactly. So uh, the, the other thing, and again, kind of polar opposite here. Not helping enough. And uh, the example I like to give on this one, uh, somebody's got a cool dragon model, right? And they they fly it up and go behind uh, your lines and they pivot it 90 degrees and they're like, all right, I got some flanks and some rear charges. But they're playing undead and they just jumped right behind a unit of whites. Uh, yeah. Hey, b- before you uh, leave that dragon there, remember – this is a surge army. That's all you got to say. Like, hey, this is a surge army. Hopefully they're going to go, oh, wait, I really don't want to give your whites, you know, a flank. That would be bad. That's the kind of, you know, well, they're going to learn from this mistake. Yeah, but also they're probably not going to feel too great about that. So, again, it's a very weird balance of we got to help enough so that there aren't any gotchas, but not too much. We're not really a gotcha game, but there are gotcha moments that you'll you'll have the first time you play something. Surge is the classic example. The first time you play Surge, you're like, holy crap, I got really caught out by that. You want to help enough so that you don't give them any negative play experiences. So in that example we were just talking about before, if, if they say, you know, you're laying out the options and you, this guy's got a dragon, you say, hey, just keep in mind that I have Surge. You know, I can potentially move and then magically move my stuff into a combat. So if you move that dragon in the wrong spot, I potentially might get a flank or a rear on your dragon, which you didn't see coming. It's a fine line between being overbearing and just just telling them how you know to solve the Rubik's Cube for them versus like just raffle stomping them into the ground. And, and you know, the good news is that these players are smart. Ask them what they're, what level they're, the, you know, if they're experienced gamers, 
from other game systems, maybe they 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 want to maybe uh, take the kid gloves off, right? But if they're like a board gamer and they're coming over and this is their first tabletop experience, you know, m- maybe you give them a little bit more, you know, hand holding, right? Or or maybe they're not a tournament player. Maybe they're just they just want to have fun and put models on the table. Well, great if that's what they're looking for. You know, at the end of the day, our job is to, is trying to fulfill their expectations. Number one. Number two is we're trying to create friends and opponents. And none of that's going to happen if you give them negative play experiences. I joke. Billy Smith uh, taught me Dead Zone. And he obliterated me. Like, it was bad. Like, he had, like, three Forge Fathers. And he just destroyed me. For a while, I was like, I don't play Dead Zone. That game sucks. Because I was like, oh, man, that was rough. In his defense, I'm an experienced war gamer. So, you know, like, I should have so known. Be you. <laughs> yeah. I think Mike Rossi said one time that, you know, our job is to develop players in our community. You know, you want to, you want players to be motivated to play more and more and more and to get better and better and better. Iron sharpens iron. Okay. So I guess next point here, and boy, oh boy, do I feel bad about this particular one because I've done this a couple of times. Oof. Maybe one of the most important ones on the list if you're trying to get new players from other game systems. Yeah, okay. So, and again, I, I, I got to point the finger at myself here. Being critical of other game systems. And look, you never know what other games people are in or what they like. Um, I love Kings of War. It, it's a lot of fun. If I go to, I'm going to say Shatterpoint, just because that's kind of the new game on the block. But if I'm doing a, a Shatterpoint demo and they start talking about how terrible Kings of War is and what a uh, stupid game and you just oh you can measure everything and you just sit there and nobody can actually do any which again none of that's true uh i am probably not going to want to come back and buy this product i don't want to play shatterpoint and i think back a couple months ago a guy came over and we were talking and doing stuff and i sort of said yeah you know kings of war is sort of like warhammer fantasy but if the rules were good okay i know what i meant by that but I have no, you know, maybe that guy was playing Warhammer Fantasy. Maybe he loved Warhammer Fantasy and was really into it. Again, something I thought about later, like, boy, that did not sound good. That was totally not my intention because I do think King's War is a good game. It is a fantasy game with really good rules. Uh, but the way I said that made it sound like I was bashing that other game. And I, ooh, yeah, I shouldn't do that. Well, we live in the, you know, the golden age of gaming, right, where there's a million different games out there. And we don't know instantly where they're coming from, what their perspectives are. I say this all the time. There's a game for everybody and everybody for a game. Just sell the game. Just talk about Kings of War. One of my main frustrations in this world is everybody says this game is like Warhammer. No. Other than the fact that it has ranks and flanks and uses D6s, Kings of War is more like a classic historical game than Warhammer Fantasy. Don't even bother comparing it unless they ask for a direct comparison which is fine, but don't make generalities. Give them examples. The other thing is I'm always reluctant to to make a value assignment on some things because what I might value is different than what you might value, Matthew. So, and I shouldn't speculate on that. The things that I like about Kings of War, someone else may not like. And you know what? That's okay. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, again, just, uh, again, back to the the germy thing. Be positive. Be positive. Just showcase the game (laughs) and let people draw their own conclusions. Exactly. All right. Um, so the last one that I had on my list, the Rob added a fantastic one after this, and uh, I am super guilty of this one too. Uh, being over enthusiastic about Kings of War when talking to potential new players. I don't know how many. Uh, one of the places that uh, my brother and I and 
some of our players uh, go is uh, Greenwood South uh, Game Preserve. I don't know how many guys have come over and go, hey, what you playing? Oh, Kings of War. Oh, cool. Is that like, and, you know, hey, yeah, it's fantasy rank and flank. They're like, yeah, hey, I've got an old fantasy army. And I, it's been really difficult for me to calm myself down enough to keep having what I call a normal conversation because I get so excited. Maybe this guy wants to play. Let's, hey, hey, we're here every Friday, blah, 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 blah. And uh, yeah, I have that bad habit of just scare them off, scaring them off. And I'll be honest, uh, the other guys I'm playing with oftentimes are kind of this martial, not so much, but that's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, we, we have this bad habit of being so enthusiastic about it that maybe they're like, whoa, wait, I don't know, I don't know about that. Ew, okay. Uh, so yeah, being too enthusiastic, being overzealous, uh, and again, this is something I need to work on. There's always that potential that you oversell the game, right? That, you know, look, I think Kings of War is a great game, but just share why you like the game. And they may be different than you. They might be looking for something different. And, you know, if they try it, but it's not for them, that's okay. Because at the end of the day, we're building the faithful, you know, that, that like the, 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 the bones and the mechanics and the lore and the hop, you know, the, the, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. And if, if that's not what they're looking for, I thank them for trying it. I thank for them for listening to what I'm saying. And I wish them well in whatever they're going to play in the future, because that's okay. There's so many games out there. You know, if, if somebody walks up to me and says, well, I'm into skirmish games. It'll be a tough sell for Kings of War. A lot of times when people hear skirmish, they're thinking uh, they don't want to pay as many models, right? They want to, you know, they maybe want a small footprint. If this is not for them, that's okay. It's worse if you if you force it onto somebody that's because they're not going to stick anyways. And now you just made them angry about it. It's always better if people come to something on their own, of their own accord and they don't feel pressure. That's what I do. I just I just lay it out. Would you like a demo? Cool. Let's just play a demo. It's tricky because just one demo by itself might not showcase all the aspects of the game, but it's enough to give them a taste of like, okay, after that first demo, they should be able to say, yes, I want to try another demo and get one more, you know, one more, take my next step. Or it's like, oh, this is definitely not going to be for me. I'm, I'm a Shatterpoint person. We're all evangelists, but like, you can also be that smarmy person that comes off as like, use car salesman. That's not, that's not, that's not very effective. Exactly. And yeah, again, uh, definitely one of my bigger problems. Cause I, I just, I love the idea of new players coming in and I really want new players, but yeah. Yeah. If you're in a region that's uh, an area that doesn't have a lot of players, mm-hmm. you know, one is like, Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh, I jump on them. Right. Oh, right. Jump on that new player. Oh, come on. Come and play with us. <laughs> uh, and sometimes your, uh, your passion like scare people so the last thing that i had it's actually something that came from bill hop he mentioned uh the communities have built this vernacular this collection of buzzwords phrases euphemism shorthand acronyms and you know we put a post on and i figured we would just maybe hit on a couple of our favorites and i think this is this warrants a whole episode but this is also something that it's important to understand that new players, especially maybe not right when they did their first demo, but as they get into the game, this can be a this can be a, a barrier for entry for them, right? And because you're using these words that they don't really have context for, and we're talking about here are the acronyms where 
KOW means Kings of War or EOD means Empire of Dust or AC means Alchemist Curse. That Those are obvious ones right, where you have acronyms that usually pop up in blog posts in written word. You know, we use some words that are common in, in our community, like in general, general gaming, like chaff, right? Or tar pitting. There's also ones that like are specific to Kings of War, spike a nerve, right? Which means you need a really big number to get to that, that, that top routing value of the nerve to route them. And you did it. I, I roll, I spiked it. I got an 11. I got a 12. Was there any on here, Matt, that were your, that you made you laugh? I did like the fact that Luke Schaefer added pizza Jesus. That's pretty awesome. New player, especially. We probably need to have a nice write up at some point, the story mm-hmm. of pizza Jesus. And, and obviously Kyle did a great job of talking about pizza Jesus at Michigan GT. He got a little choked up about it, which we all do. I was to say, I think all of us who knew Jesse got a little choked up on, on that one. Uh, but no, uh, looking at this particular, uh, again, I'm looking at this some of these lists here. Uh, you know, I'm spamming uh, goblins in order to tar pit for a, a grind army. Uh, hopefully, I spike a couple nerves. Okay. Are you that speaking makes, French? What are you saying? That, that makes zero. I could go tell my wife that right now, and she would just look at me and go, huh? Like, that I'm, doesn't make any sense. But quite a few of you knew exactly what I'm talking about. So, yeah, right. I, I definitely think our um, acronyms uh, is a good word. I, I'm a school teacher by trade right now. And uh, boy, oh boy, do we have lots of acronyms. And, uh, you know, anytime I'm in, in, you know, meetings with parents, one of the things I have to really uh, be careful of is like actually say all the words to what I'm talking about. Well, it's an individualized education plan. Nobody says that as teacher to teacher. Uh, yeah, check their IEP. That That's what we do. It doesn't work when you talk to somebody who's not in that same mm-hmm. group, that same, you know, uh, profession. Uh, obviously not a profession here. But yeah, I mean, again, I'm looking at some of these rules and, you know, overkill, anvil, screen, proxy, cookie cutter. I mean, yeah, there, those are some... If I didn't know what I was doing, I'd have no idea what you're talking about with any of those. So, yeah, definitely something we got to be careful of with new players. Yeah, if you're doing a demo, it's important to not to try to avoid using the buzzwords unless they're like the, 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 they're the common buzzwords across gaming, you know, like Alpha Strike, mm-hmm. which is an army that wants to hit you early in offense early. Right. They want to punch mm-hmm. you. They want to get into combat as quickly as possible. Well, that one might transcend from 40K. But then you have one like have a toilet bowl toilet bowl which is the way they talk about how we play certain scenarios where you you basically the armies kind of rotate around in the same direction around a center point on the table we'll have a whole episode on this huge thanks to everybody that contributed to that my favorite one though kill box <laughs> i think it was eric trobidge that used the term that i heard it first from and the, the kill box is there's certain armies that have a box a, a metaphorical box on the table that once you get into it their army envelops you and kills you. You're in that box of death. And it's usually prescribed to goblins and rat kid are the two, the, the two most common ones that get you into this thing and then they sort of clamp onto you and then that's it. But I love it. Is that it's gotta be the coolest bit of a euphemism or the, the coolest term we've got in Kings of War. The kill mm-hmm. box. Yep, agreed. So a lot, lot of good stuff there. Well, hopefully you guys took away some tips about interacting with new players or potential new players from some of the things you said. And I think just in general, to wrap this up, I would say really just take the time to understand the audience. If you can ask a few questions to understand their expectations, 
their perspective, where they're coming from. It'll it'll help you cater their play experience. Big shout out to Marshall, by the way. We forgot to mention Marshall. I mean, what a great where did he end up? Was he three and two? Went three and two, ended up in tenth place. Shout out to Marshall because I, I recall at some point earlier this year, he had a despondent post saying, Hey, I don't feel like I'm improving. And by the way, he didn't change armies. Mm-mm. I think he took on all the all the feedback and he made some you know changes the way he played. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to be proud. I mean, other than the fact that now you're not the best Temple brother. I was going to say, this is the third uh, third tournament in a row where he's placed higher than me. So I, I'd say I'm proud in like kind of a way, but I'm also like really upset. So apparently, or I just stink. That's probably what it is. So, <laughs> but no, in all, in all seriousness, um, uh, several people reached out to him and gave suggestions and ideas. Uh, we've played, I'm going to just call them some training games. Like, all right, well, here's a stupid fast list. Here's a stupid, good shooting list. And uh, I'll be honest, he's lost like all of those games, but they keep getting closer and closer and closer. And I think when he got into the tournament and now it's like, oh, okay, well, you've got this. Okay. And he knew exactly what to do, how to do it. Um, you know, you run into Shannon Shoemaker and you lose. You lose. That's okay. That happens. But, um, you know, he played great games and uh, beat up on Andy. So that was always good. <laughs> that was the best part of the weekend for me. <laughs> you know, because Andy was like, I'm going to do real good. And, you know, he, he got raffle stomped by Adam and then he got beat by Marshall. And so and I finished higher than them. So that's a, a bonus, too. Always good. But shout out to our buddy Jeff. He finished fourth place rocking ogres to good effect. So huge, huge congratulations to Marshall. I mean, he's he's markedly improving his game. What's the next event for you guys? Is it Workings? Workings, yep. Uh, coming up in November. Um, it's right outside Columbus, Ohio. So really nice game store, plenty of space. So I uh, highly encourage everybody to take a look at uh, the Workings GT. It's number four in New Hope. So you get to do uh, a cool little uh, Warlord, your War King. It's got some special rules. And uh, I know nobody else can see this, but uh, we've got the Goblin King ready to make his... Uh, debut to uh next month so that'll be fun i'm gonna have to probably fight kyle over that name but that's okay <laughs> well final thoughts matt uh not much just uh, again everybody just keep that kind of stuff in mind when uh when, when talking to new players and uh i will do my best to do the same thing because as i said i'm kind of guilty of all that anyway so uh hopefully that helps in your local area and hopefully it'll help in mine Well, fantastic. We appreciate you putting the show together for us. Well, that's going to do us tonight. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 